welcome along to the Property Academy Podcast. I'm your host, Emmett Knight. And I'm Andrew Nichols. And today on the show, we're talking about government regulation. Now, our friends at Core Logic and the NZ Property Market Podcast have talked about that we expect that in 2021, this is going to be the year of government regulation in the housing market. And one specific policy that the listener of the show who suggested this topic today wants to hear about is interest deductions. This comes from Nathan, who said, what do you think would happen if interest was phased out as being tax deductible like the UK did? What would happen to the market? How would this affect property investors? Andrew, this is an interesting one. Just explain to us what Nathan's talking about here before we go through what the UK did. So when you look at a profit and loss for a property portfolio, you look at the income, so the rent that comes in, and then you look at all the expenses that are related to the property. And one of those expenses, the largest by far, is the interest costs if you're borrowing the money to invest. So normally they make up 75, 80% of what the total costs are. And what has been talked about here is whether or not we will stop that being a legitimate tax deduction. So then it becomes like making principal payments. So whilst it will affect your cash flow, it won't change your tax position. So you could be making a profit in the IRD's eyes and therefore be paying tax on your profits. So that means that you may have a property that you're having to put money into. It will be a negatively geared property and you have to pay money into it and you'll still have to pay tax within that. So let's go through what the story was with the UK, because this is a bit interesting. Now, this is a policy that came in in 2017 as part of the finance bill. And the UK and New Zealand, actually, are part of what's called the OECD BEPS project. So this is called, and stick with me on this, the Base Erosion and Profit Shifting Project. So this is an international project that's going on so that companies don't shift money around to different jurisdictions to pay less tax. So if you're following the news and you hear anything about a Facebook or a Google or a LinkedIn, any of these big tech companies, a lot of them will shift their profits into places like Ireland or not necessarily the Bahamas, but sometimes you hear about the <laughs> Cayman Islands. They're shifting the profits there to pay less tax. But Where our new head offices. <laughs> but certainly a lot of these companies will shift their head offices to Ireland, but where you're going to pay less tax. So what they're trying to do here, and this is actually action number four as part of this project, is in order to stop people moving around their profits, they're stopping companies from claiming large interest expenses. So let's go through how this works in practice so that we can understand how we got where we are within this specific policy. So let's say I've got a company in New Zealand and let's just call it Facebook. And let's just be clear, this is not a veiled attempt to say that this is what Facebook's using. It's just something you typically hear in the media. So the Facebook company in New Zealand might then have a very large debt to the Facebook company within Ireland where taxes are lower. So you might be making a lot of money within New Zealand, but then if there are large interest expenses because there's this big debt which they owe to the Irish company. Which could be something like IP debt, right? It could be any sort of debt or related party debt. It could be startup costs. It could be anything. And then what they'd do is they'd then be making very large interest expenses and paying those back to the company in Ireland. Now, if those aren't really legitimate expenses, it is unlawfully bringing down the profits of the New Zealand company and shifting those over to Ireland. And so what a lot of the OECD countries are doing are now putting processes and legislation in place to stop this happening. And of course, Everybody has to do it in order for the global problem to stop. And so that's why we're getting movement in some countries and a lot of countries to stop this behaviour happening. Now, just so you know, right now, New Zealand complies with all of the best practices within the OECD. So 
if the New Zealand government was trying to sneak through a policy to stop landlords deducting interest from their profit and loss statements, this would not be a very good reason. They might use it as the veil or the Trojan horse to get it through, but we're already complying with those best practices. So that's the background of why this legislation is even on the international legislative agenda. But let's talk about what the UK has done to adapt that to cover property investors, Andrew. So the UK have now implemented this in line with property investors as well. So now if you're a property investor and you have a major debt, which is generally pretty standard if you're a property investor and you have leverage against your own house and leverage against a rental property, what they've done is said, okay, we're going to treat that exactly the same. So those interest cost deductions are no longer something that you can claim on your tax return. So they've phased it in over four years. So since 2018 through to 2021, it's gone from 75% deductible. So basically, if you paid 20000 a year in interest, you could claim back 15000 in that first year. Then it became 50%, 25 and now there's no deduction at all. So really interesting that they've gone to have a blanket approach and include properties in that. There is an exemption which is really interesting. So properties held within a company are exempt and you can actually still claim that deduction. There's actually a lot of investors now that are moving properties from their own name through to a company. But but remember, if you do that transfer, potentially you open yourself up for stamp duty over there, capital gains tax and inheritance tax. So if we were to follow the same path here in New Zealand, people that had their property owned under a look-through company might be more protected than someone that has it in their own name, for example. Now, we're not suggesting that you should go put all your properties into look-through companies just in case this legislation came through, just to be very clear. And just reading between the lines, I'm obviously no tax expert about UK tax laws, but I would wonder whether there's some benefit to the government from having those properties held within companies as opposed to other structures or entities. It might be that they have differing tax rates for companies and personal, maybe. Or perhaps they're wanting to move these assets out of trusts for whatever reason, yes. whether for protection or because if... Maybe then you capture inheritance tax later on, maybe. I, I think that's probably something like that. Now, let's talk about, is this actually being mooted here? Now, you do have to search quite thoroughly in order to be able to find any sort of mention about this, but there is an article on politic.co.nz, which is a political news website, which walks through that this potentially may come in, or this may be something that the government is thinking about. But Andrew, you mentioned you'd also seen this somewhere. Yeah, I sort of stuff the other day they were talking about the fact that the finance minister had to make some serious changes and I'm pretty sure that he made comment about that that was something they were considering. Well it's interesting I was looking at a speech from Grant Robertson which came out on the 9th of February and this is just the precursor to the regulation that we're expecting to come in before we actually go through a cash flow and walk through what this would actually mean for you. And At this statement, he says, look, we all know that building more houses, particularly affordable houses, is critical, but we can also do more to manage demand, particularly from those who are speculating. So the key thing here is he's after people who are speculating, which is usually people who are looking for short-term capital gain. So he said, New Zealanders are seeing family members being crowded out of the opportunity to purchase a home of their own by speculators and investors, and he wants to tilt the balance more towards first home owners while incentivising more investment in the construction of homes. Now remember, we are expecting more regulation to come out later in February. I'm expecting to see some crackdowns on investors who are investing in existing properties. So we may see 
an extension of the bright line test, but maybe people who are investing in new homes will be exempt from that. Or maybe we'll have some of these tax deductibility rules implemented, but there may be greater depreciation allowances for investors in new build homes to counteract some of that. Now, let's jump through into what this actually means for property investors if this policy were to come into place tomorrow. Okay, let's look at an example of a 600k property getting 525 a week minus three weeks a year, so $25,725 per annum in revenue. Now, operational costs. Let's keep it really simple and say that your rates insurance maintenance is nine and a half grand and your interest costs on a 100% mortgage is about $14,000 a year. Now remember, you've got your non-cash expenses. So at the moment, that's just depreciation on your chattels, but they're talking about non-cash expenses. So your home office, your chattel depreciation. So about four or $5,000 there. So the cash flow in this example, when we're running through the numbers, is positive by $2,300 a year. Now you've got those non-deductibles, and so they take off another $5,000. So that means your pre tax profit is actually negative. It's negative two and a half grand. So that means that you're not actually incurring tax. The cash flow on that is positive $2,300 a year or $45 a week. Now, the tax situation, you're actually negative $2,500 because of those non-cash expenses. So your cash flow is positive, but from the IRD's perspective, you're negative two and a half grand a year and you get a tax credit of about $800 if you're 33 cents in the dollar. Now, let's say they take out those interest costs. So no longer can you claim that as a tax deduction. Well, your pre-tax profit goes up. And the reason for that is because we have to add that interest cost back in. So you're actually, rather than negative, you're positive by about $11,000. So that means you incur tax. You have to pay tax on that profit of almost $4,000. And so what that means is if you factor in the tax that you have to pay, your cash flow is now negative $1,400 or negative $27 a week. So it's not massive, but it is significant enough that you know it's going to slow you down on being able to build your portfolio. Well, that's the interesting thing is that your cash flow previously was less than two and a half grand, but with this change, now they're saying, no, 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 no. Your taxable profit is now almost 11 and a half grand. Naturally, you're probably thinking, but my, my cash flow was only two and a half grand. How am I being taxed as if I'm making 11 and a half grand when I'm only making two and a half grand? And it's because those expenses which you used to look at aren't tax deductible anymore. You can't say that that's part of your profit and loss. Now, the interesting thing about this is that I read in the newspaper at the weekend an interesting article about investors getting rid of rental properties because it's becoming a bit hard for them. And as a result of this increasing regulation, you're going to see much, much more of this going forward. And so what that does is put pressure on the rental market. Couple that with the fact that now, as a landlord, rather than making $45 a week, I'm having to chip in $27. I'm going to look to recoup that. So I might put up my rent by $40. And you know, if medium rent in New Zealand is $500 a week, that's a significant increase to the rent. So you've got to wonder how this is going to actually end up affecting those poor tenants out there. Well, let me ask you this, Andrew. Didn't you say the same thing about ring fencing when that legislation came in in 2019? Yes. Did we see rents increase enormously at that time? No, but we've had the largest cost, which is interest, halve in that time. So that has cushioned that effect. But I do think that it has significantly 
actually increased in places much more than inflation and that would be because of things like ring fencing. I think the big difference with ring fencing as well is that ring fencing only impacted people who were pretty severely negatively geared. This is back when if your property wasn't making money, you could then get some of the tax back that you were paying to the government anyway as part of your regular job, your salary or your wages. Now they stopped that, but that meant that a portion of the market was pretty severely impacted. Anybody who was negatively geared by four grand or five grand really did get some tax back, which helped them with the rental property. If you make this change, if you make interest costs non-tax deductible, you're going to affect the whole market, not just a small portion of the market. And if all property investors or the vast majority of property investors who hold a mortgage against that property are impacted, you're more likely to see a whole of market shift to yes. see those rents increasing. One of the really interesting things that they're talking about here is this word speculation, right? They want to cut down on speculators in the market. And in my mind, completely biased mind, we've captured the speculators with what we call the bright line test, which is kind of capital gains tax by another name. If you buy and sell a property within five years and you make a profit, you have to pay tax on that. And so this really, I don't think, changes that speculation piece at all, which is why I think the government won't actually go after this. I think that this is something that if it does come to the table, it won't actually end up making policy. I think that we're far more likely to see something like an increase to the bright line test. Can I be controversial? Please. I reckon this argument about speculators is what we call a straw man argument. Now, that's where you put up an enemy, which isn't really there. Now, I don't think speculators exist. I've never met a speculator. Have you? Look, I know of traders. I know of people that buy and sell within a short period of time. Yeah, but they're doing something to the property. That's not speculation. Yeah. Uh, well, speculation is when you buy a property and think, I'm going to sell it within five years or two years in order to be able to get some quick capital gains and move out of the market. I think there is more of those type of people appearing in the market right now because of the heat in the market. I absolutely do think they exist. But I think they're like the overseas investor. They make such a minimal impact on the market that you're right, it is a straw man. So now let's just briefly go through, if this happened, what would the response be? What would property investors do to make sure that they're putting themselves in the best position? And I think the main one is we would see a lot of property investors going and using property tax accountants and specialised ones, because that's when a proper accountant would talk to you about using and claiming all of your home office expenses. Remember, this is when you're claiming some of your rates, a portion of the interest that you're paying on your personal mortgage, perhaps some basic costs, some electricity or the internet within your property, your own home, and putting that against your rental property. Now remember, those are what we'd call non-cash expenses because you're going to pay them anyway, whether you have this rental property or not. But those can be included to bring down that pre-tax profit. So even if you're not claiming all of the interest costs against that rental property, you're still pulling down the perceived taxable profit. And I think because most properties are positively geared, people are being a little lazier with those deductions because of the fact that, you know, they might claim the depreciation, but I'm seeing home office left off a lot of financial accounts at the moment, purely because people are not really worrying about that tax deduction that they put towards the property. So I do think it's really important 
to make sure you have a good property accountant at all times, but this would be an instance where it's tenfold. And just remember that if you've got roughly $5,000 worth of non-cash expenses, that's saving up to about $1,600, $1,700 odd of tax that you would otherwise have to pay to the government. Now remember, you've got to get that chattel valuation done ideally when you purchase the property. That's when you want to start doing that. And you'd want to start doing this now and claiming the most amount of tax to now, because if you make a taxable loss, your property still may make you money. But if you are making a loss in terms of the tax return you send to the government, you can carry those forward. So even if this policy came in and you started to have to pay tax, if you've carried forward losses from previous years, this is what Donald Trump used to do to pay less tax, not that I'm suggesting that um, we're doing anything <laughs> untoward, it's perfectly legal, then this would help you if the policy came in because perhaps there might be two or three years of tax deductions that you could use to not pay tax for those first couple of years. Hey, let's wrap it up there, but please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. It really helps us get the message out to more people. And if you've got a topic that you'd like us to talk about like Nate did, Give us a text. Our number is 5522. It'd be great to hear from you. Thanks for listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ebert Knight. I'm Andrew Nichol. And we're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics and insights to help you get the most out of the New Zealand property market. Until next time, 